Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hope everybody's paying attention because we have someone calling in from California and she is the leading specialist on single life. So if you're out there and you're single, you definitely need to listen to this podcast. I want to welcome Dr. Bella DiPaolo to the Unimpressed Podcast. How are you doing today? Great. Thanks so much for inviting me. I love talking about this. So I see you're the, the expert in single life. How did you dive so deep into this passion of yours? I'm 70 years old. I've been single my entire life because I love being single. It's what I want, what I choose. I never knew there was such a thing as being happily single and wanting to stay single. I didn't I just didn't know that was a thing. And yet I found that I never wanted to marry myself. I was happily single, except for all the ways that single people are stereotyped, stigmatized. So I first started noticing those ways that I thought I was being um, kind of marginalized because I was single or treated unfairly. So for example, when I taught at the University of Virginia, the person who organized the class schedule said that she wanted me to come in at night to teach because it would be too hard for the married faculty. And that was before they even had kids. And then another example was, you know, during the week, um, I would go out to lunch with my colleagues. But then on the weekends, the couples would go out with each other and I wouldn't be included. So was that because they didn't like me or because I was single? Is that So I started asking other single people if they ever had experiences like this where they felt that they were being treated as lesser than, as not quite adult, as not worth including because they were single. And wow, I just kept getting one story after another after another. And that's when I realized that this was this was striking a nerve. There were stories about being single that weren't out there, and they included both the ways in which single people are not treated totally fairly and the ways in which single life can be a joyful, meaningful, fulfilling life, not just as it's usually portrayed, as something you're stuck with if you're unlucky in life, in love, or if you have issues. So do, do you think there's a, a, a law of attraction factor here? You know, because I've always thought about marriage. And if you think about, you know, was God thinking about marriage when he created the human being? You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. No, tell me more. Well, when you think about that, you think about the sensitivities of what human beings have. Right. You know, you can be in a marriage, but you can still, you know, be a good person at marriage and so forth, but you can still be attracted to other people, you know, 
Uh-huh. Why are we attracted to other people being married mm-hmm. if this is the only person we're supposed to be with the rest of our lives? Yes, you know, and the people I'm talking about who love being single and who want to stay single and find it their and are joyful and flourishing because they're single, not in spite of it. I call them single at heart. And one of the characteristics of people who are single at heart is that they instead of putting one person at the center of their lives, they tend to lots of different kinds of people. So instead of having the one, they have the ones. And they might be close friends or relatives or mentors or teammates or anyone from any phase of life. And there is a certain um, advantage to tending to a number of different people and having a circle of friends and family rather than just putting one person at the center of your life and saying, you are the one, I want to be your everything. (laughs) And so, yeah, well, I I think, I think in some ways what the position gives you a choice. If you are single, you have a choice to do different things. If you are married, you don't have that choice. But if you took at it, if if you break it down, I'm a big, big believer in, in the quantum field and and things like that. So if you if you understand tone, like your friends probably are very similar tone as you. You know, where a tone attracts tone. Mm-hmm. So from a natural point of view, the positions are a choice. But if we understood things like that in a way where our attraction, you know, leads us down a certain path, because you know you can marry the wrong person in my opinion, if you don't have a similar tone to them. Is there any thought processes you have about anything like that as well? Well, yeah. You know, in in 2015, I started this online Facebook group called the Community of Single People. And it's for people who want to be single and like it. Um, Not every single person in the group is wants to stay single. But we talk about every aspect of single life except the ones that other people expect single people to be obsessed with, like dating and how do we be how do we unsingle ourselves? And so I think that people in this group share a certain sensibility, a certain sense of values, you might call it tone. And and that is really validating, especially for groups like us who are not considered part of the mainstream. The assumption is that everyone wants to be married or at least romantically coupled. And yet here we are. Now there's over 8,000 of us from more than 100 different countries. And we get a lot of validation from each other and good advice and good cheer. And and I think it it is important. So let's walk this down. Let's look at age range. You know, you're in your 20s. It's it's fairly easy to date. Like if you want to, you can be single, but you want to go out, you, you know, and, and, and hang out with someone, you know, you go to 30s, easy to date. You go out and hang out with someone, get into 40s, playing fields starts getting a little different. 50s starts getting a little different. So if you choose a single life, how does that look in your 40s and 50s? You know what I'm saying? Like, how do you, yes. how do you oh, purvey well. the landscape? <laughs> 
I have never been on a dating app in my life, I am proud to say. Um, but let me tell you about single life and satisfaction and happiness over the course of single life. There are three big national studies that look at how happy single people are, how satisfied they are with their lives over the course of their lives. And contrary to all the stereotypes, on average, single people are happy every year of their lives. And when they get to those years when everyone expects them to be, to be getting miserable and lonely and, and despairing about not being married, say in your 40s and beyond, single people just keep getting happier and happier. And the single people who are not pining for the for a partner, people like the single at heart who invest in their single lives, they are especially likely to be getting happier. Interesting. If you're getting happier being single, because I guess I guess in that scenario, you know, um, you know, when you get married to somebody, somebody, and then you're with them of several years, sometimes people change. Yes. You know, right. at least you only have to worry about your changes for yourself. <laughs> you know what your yeah. changes are internally. Yeah. Is there any contrast there that that? Oh yes, and because single people are people who are single at heart, don't take one person and try to make them the center of their life and try to make them their everything. They instead often have a circle of people. And those people, different people might feel different needs. So there might be someone who's always happy for you and something good happens and someone who's really good at, at being um, reassuring when something awful happens. And, and what that does is it takes away some of the unfair burden of expecting one person to be able to fulfill all your needs, to be able to be there for you no matter what you need or how you feel. So a single person can mentally break down someone as a specialist. All right, I have I have Bobby I'm going to call if I'm heartbroken. I have cool. Sally I'm going to call if I want a recipe. I have yeah. Susan I want to call if uh, tell me how to cut the grass, whatever. What, yeah. Whatever it is, you uh -huh. know, there's a, is, is that what you mean as far as yes, a exactly. linear thought process? Yes, exactly. This lifestyle of being single, what does, I mean, what's the approach? And you have this, you know, you have a book out. You know, yeah. what was your approach? If you want to tell us a little bit about the book and, and so forth in the approach of the book. The book is called Single at Heart, The Power, Freedom, and Heart-Filling Joy of Single Life. And what I wanted to show in this book is there are more people than we ever realized who are single at heart. That means they love being single. They want to stay single. They are happy and, and flourishing because they are single, not in spite of it. By living single, they have their most meaningful, fulfilling, psychologically rich, and authentic life. And what I do in the book is show using examples from people's lives all around the world, as well as social science data based on uh, sometimes dozens or hundreds or sometimes even hundreds of thousands of participants, what single people, especially the single at heart, are getting out of their single lives that other people often don't realize. So a lot of times, single people are characterized as like a pile of deficiencies. Here's all the things that are wrong with you. Here's what you don't have. 
And what I show is what single people do have, what their special advantages are, what their special strengths are. So an obvious one is freedom. Everyone who is single at heart, when I ask them what they like about freedom, about single life, they say they like their freedom. And they use their freedom to create a single life that is true to themselves, true to their values, their interests. And that means they get to live authentically. Another thing they do is use their freedom to create to create a circle of friends and family that they really care about. And they can pay as much attention as they want to that circle of friends and family without a romantic partner um, insisting that they want more of that time to themselves. Another really big one, and I didn't realize how important this would be. You know, I really enjoy having time to myself. To myself, I have friends and I like being with friends and family, but I also really, really like being alone. And when I asked people who are single at heart how important, if at all, it was to them to have time to themselves, I thought that on average they would say, yeah, that's important. But every single one of them said that having time to themselves was absolutely important. Three people said it was like breathing. And one of the implications of that is that people who are single at heart, who savor their solitude, are largely protected from feeling lonely. So if you get out a lot out of your time alone, you find it relaxing or you find it productive or you find it energizing, you find it anything but scary, then you are not going to be what other people think single people are going to be, which is lonely and isolated and sad. The first thing I come up with and trying to understand that is pocket narratives, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm a very firm believer in data. Uh, I oh, create yeah, a pro- me too. I'm a social scientist. Yeah. So I, I create a process with content uh, on how to eliminate unconscious bias. And I could I could rebirth or birth something the right way and build a build a pure foundation by law of attraction, right? And and so if you had a question, if we build a if we build a customer base for you, it'd be a, a pure fan base. And I and it's basically would eliminate this process would eliminate marketing. So when you say you have data to back up what you're saying about single people being happy, and then you think about marriage and where marriage came from, and this is just kind of blowing marriage up a little bit, is pocket narratives that are put out in society to push a negative connotation towards the single life yes. because they want people to marry for control. Absolutely. Yes. And it's considered part of our conventional wisdom. Maybe that's the equivalent of what you, you're calling pocket narratives, that if you get married, you'll be happier and healthier and live longer. And in fact, as a social scientist, I went to the original research studies to see what they really do show. And there are now dozens of studies that follow people over the course of their lives and ask them like every year, are you happy? Are you married? Are you single? Et cetera. And what they find is that when people get married, they become a little happier at first. You know, it's kind of exciting. You have this wedding, you get all these presents, it's new and 
and interesting, but then they go back to being as happy or as unhappy as they were when they were single. And the only people who get that um, little increase in happiness, we sometimes call it the honeymoon effect, are the people who get married and stay married. The people who are headed to divorce, and we know about them from these studies, because they go on for years and years and years, so we we have a record of what happened to them. Um, people who go on to divorce are already becoming less happy as the day of their wedding approaches instead of becoming happier and getting that little honeymoon effect of, of extra happiness around the time of the wedding. I want to, and I want to apply this, this, this second part to the quant, to the quantum field. I'm a, I'm a clairsentient. I can feel, I can feel people. I can get into people's heads sometimes. And can you do it remotely? Yeah, yeah, you I have can. To be in the same room. I can, I can. Okay. If I, if I get a tone and a feel for someone, yeah. I can start to really dive in. You know. Yeah. Do you think but, you have a tone and a feel for me? I think it's very witty and crisp. It's a very up, upward, uplifting vibration. Like, yeah. a, like your mind is very witty and, and, and crisp. <laughs> is what I what is kind of what I sense. I mean, I could sense I more the that. more. I, Thank you. <laughs> the more I talk, you know, because you're yeah. carrying a certain vibration that a lot of people don't have. Yeah. You know that upbeat vibration. Big, yeah. You know that first ten seconds of here instead of mm-hmm. here or here. Right. I, yeah, I can see that immediately. Thank you. That sounds right to me. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. That's uh. But you know, when you think about you know feeling in quantum field, first of all, people can be married and have no law of attraction. You know, and they wonder why they don't like each other. That's that's the first part. But even if you have a law of attraction and you are supposed to be together and there's similar tone and and I can really go open that ball of wax up where if you think about feng shui in creation of four and feng shui, there's four pillars in feng shui and everybody has a direction and each direction aligns with another direction. So you could almost break that down, that part of it. But I don't, I don't want to get too deep in that. But if, if you're with somebody and their energy changes and you absorb that energy and you start to feel how they feel because we're all connected on the quantum field, that speaks to you going and being alone because sometimes for me, because I feel everybody, I pick up everybody's energy in the room until I'm by myself and I think through things by myself and there's no other energy around me. That's when I'm myself. Yes, yes. And there is research showing that, that when people are by themselves, they are more authentic. And I think that's really important. And also, the assumption people have is that the people who like being alone the most are introverts. And of course, some introverts really do like being alone, but some extroverts do too. What really is a a stronger predictor of whether someone is going to be comfortable in solitude is whether they are an authentic person, if they are living according to their values. And I think- Well, that's that's finding thyself, right? Yeah, exactly. I think it really fits with what you're saying. Well, that's another part of the finding thyself is I have this thing and I'm on my daughter all the time about it. I'm like, you need to quit worrying about everybody else. You know, you need to start putting value in yourself doing. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Things for yourself, building value within yourself. Because if you build value within yourself, you can survive off that value. So, That's such an important lesson. And it's very hard when you're younger. I think it gets easier as you get older and more confident. And single people, I think, are especially good at that. And in part, the people who choose to be single almost have to be good at that because they are going against the assumption, what you might call the pocket narrative, that you can only be truly happy if you're romantically coupled and that everyone wants to be romantically coupled, but you're happier, healthier you are. And so a, a person who is single at heart, who invests in their single life, who embraces it, is is going against the grain. And, um, and so they have that strength, that skill to be true to themselves, even when it kind of costs them. And it can cost them in terms of other people looking down on them. Well, when I say pocket narratives, too, it's, it's I, I just came up with this thought process of, you know, there's a lot of net pocket narratives in society that drive society. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll give you an example like the calorie. So if you take the calorie narrative and you push that in society, that's an absolute and absolutes don't work. You cannot live based on absolutes. I mean, if you watched Star Wars, you would know what what the absolutes don't work. That's that's what I'm talking about. These pocket narratives drives people's positions, and it, and just like the calorie system could drive someone down a certain road on what to eat, but they become unhealthy because it's not catered to who they are. So you can apply this yes. really the same way with these pocket yes. narratives about what's around being single yes. and. It's an absolute, but it doesn't work for everybody because everybody's not the same. And a lot of people make themselves miserable by trying to live the life they think they're supposed to live, that they're expected to live. And they're never really truly comfortable or truly happy until they give themselves permission to live their best life. In the crossroads of the younger people, too, the other part of that, I say that going back to finding thyself is... I think a lot of the technology that we have out in the world is somewhat a, a distraction. Like we're always, you know, mm-hmm. you know, we live through a visual that looks very, very pretty, which creates apprehension and, and, and things like that. I don't know what the right formula would be, but if you if you started looking at this thought process within the younger people and understand how they give themselves away based on technology, and then they're going to try to find a relationship, mm-hmm. it kind of speaks to why there's the communication between 
female and male are is not really uh, on the same page as it was maybe when I was in school. Does that make sense? There's a little a lot of yeah, dilution there. I'm, the communication is mm-hmm. is off. So yes. maybe the, if you I mean, define technology has just transformed everything about how we live, and it's especially created a whole different world for um, young people today than someone like me. <laughs> who was born in 1953 and was not um, introduced to technology till very late in the game. But I guess what I'm saying, too, when people are in that that diluted process or they're giving themselves away, you know, they think they got to look like this. They think they got to find this, you know, all these thought processes of apprehension. You know, if you define maybe if you define the relationship world better and gave more outlets instead of creating a negative pocket narrative around certain outlets, it would help maybe these younger people make better decisions on which way they should go as a person if it was defined right. categorically. You know, like, hey, I don't have to be married. I don't need to be yes. pressured into getting married. Right. I can go here and be single. You know what I'm saying? Yes. If each one had equal weight of opportunity, yes. Yes. you know, maybe right. it would help that situation with the young people because mm-hmm. they are so distracted was kind of, right. it took me a minute right. to get there, but that's kind of where I was going <laughs> Yeah, and that's that thought process. The, yeah, that's one of the key goals of my single at heart book, which is to bring singlehood into the open and make it make, make people understand that it can be just as fulfilling as romantically coupled life and for some people more fulfilling than any other way of life. So w- one thing I didn't mention is uh, needs. You know, people got needs. I mean, what are we, yeah. what is that like in, in, you know, in the bedroom situation for, <laughs> for the single minded yeah. right. person right. if it has, still has needs? What does that right. look like? Right. Well, some, well, some single people uh, have casual relationships with other people, or they might have a special person uh, for those needs. But the difference is that they don't try to create a whole life around that person. So they're very um, honest at the beginning of a romantic relationship that they're not looking to what some people call ride the relationship escalator, where you go up from casual dating to more serious involvement to moving in together and, you know, maybe having kids. And so, um, so that's one possibility. Um, another is that some, um, some people really aren't that interested in sex. You know, there's this finding from 25 years of data studying um, adult sexual behavior in the United States. And it found over this 25 years of of, um, study that people in the U.S. have been having less and less sex over time. And the person who wrote about it, well, several people wrote about it, but the explanations that are often offered are things like, oh, well, you know, they're too obsessed with their screens and, you know, things like that, of which may be true. But what is rarely acknowledged is that some people just aren't that interested. And maybe now as society progresses, more people feel more um, willing and able to live the, the life they want. So even though there's a greatly sexualized culture that has as its conventional wisdom that everybody wants sex and more sex is better than less sex, that 
some people are saying, no, actually, that's not true. I'm good. Well, there's, there's another pocket narrative pushing the sex agenda. Yes, exactly. Uh, you know, so uh-huh. let's take that one step further. How about singles who may want kids but want to stay single? Oh, yes. There are actually many of them. That that trend is growing of single people who have kids. And, and complementary to that, there are more couple of people who are not having kids. But the, when I talk to single parents who are not just single, but single at heart, what they tell me is that they develop a special bond with their children and that they often are not raising their children single-handedly. Um, but to use what I guess has become a cliche, they have a village. They create a village for their children where they have people who um, care about them. They might be friends. They might be relatives. And they also say that their children are spared from what children in married families, married parent families often come up against, which is, you know, the battles that parents have with each other and when they get cold or distant or, and, and that their kids never have to worry about their parents divorcing. And um, and so in, instead of the usual narrative that, oh, these poor single kids of single parents, they're doomed. In fact, in some ways they do really well. Well, how do we how do we put all this data together to make to kind of re reclassify this thought process? <laughs> oh, well, in my book, Single at Heart, I have these examples, which I call flipping the script. So you take something that someone says about single people, and then what if you what if you turned it around? What would that look like? And I also do something called fixed it, where I take something that someone says that is, you know, is not so great, and I rewrite it. So an example is um, something that our Surgeon General, Vivek Murthy, said in his book called Together. He's talking about a single man, and he said something like, Although he is single, he has a group of friends that he likes. Well, although he is single? So I rewrote that as, like many other single people, he has a group of friends that he likes. And there is research behind that, too. There are national studies showing that people who are single are more likely to uh, tend to their friends, relatives, colleagues, neighbors, um, exchange moral support, emotional support, practical help with them. So they are actually more connected to more different people. Whereas um, in contrast, there are these studies that follow people over the course of their lives and what they find is that when couples move in together or when they get married, they become more insular. Now, there are always exceptions. It's not like every couple does this. But on average, they pay more attention just to each other. They see their friends less. They stay in touch with their parents less. So it's like they're building their own little world. But people who stay single, especially if they're single at heart and and invest in their single lives, invest in their friends, they don't do that. They are still maintaining their relationships 
with the people who are important to them. So where does where does Dr. Bella come from? And where does is is your whole family very high vibrational family? <laughs> um sling. Uh, I mean, I grew up in um, a married parent household. My mom and dad were married for 42 years until my dad died. So no divorce, no nothing. Um, so very happy, conventional 1950s childhood. <laughs> and so it's kind of ironic that I would grow up to be the person who uh, absolutely loves single life. But there you have it. That's Italian? Yes, it is. It's spelled wrong when my grandparents came over here. It was written down as what it is now, D-E-P-A-U-L-O, but the correct spelling would be D-I-P-A-O-L-O. It's never been correct. Tell us a little bit about your career and what that exactly uh, looks like. Yeah, well... I started out interested in something else entirely. I used to study the psychology of lying and detecting lies, and that was interesting. You know, there's there's always an interesting thing to follow up in that area. It never gets stale, right? But when I first started studying single people, that wasn't just an interest. That was a passion. So I'm a social scientist. So I started doing studies of um, how single people are regarded. I did studies of how people are perceived when they're alone in a restaurant, which is much more positively than you would ever imagine. Um, I, and then I started writing about single life. I wanted to get my ideas out beyond just um, academic scholarly journals that hardly anyone reads. So that's when I wrote my first book called Singled Out, How Singles Are Stereotyped, Stigmatized, and Ignored, and Still Live Happily Ever After. And now my single at heart book, The Power, Freedom, and Heart-Filling Joy of Single Life. And I've also been blogging. I've been writing the Living Single column at Psychology Today since 2008. And I have written lots of other articles for other publications like the Washington Post and the New York Times. And I just wrote something in the Huffington Post earlier in December that was called something like, I'm 70 and I've lived alone my entire adult life. Here's what people get wrong about single people. And that essay went viral. (laughs) And I think it did in part because it was so joyfully and unapologetically single. And I talked about what I loved about my single life and how I feel so fortunate to be able to get to live single this time in history and this place. You know, other times and places, it's not so easy. You know, maybe it would be harder to afford to live on your own. Uh, So I just feel so uh, grateful that I get to live my single life. I don't see it as a plan B or as a default or something I'm stuck with. It's something (laughs) I'm joyful about. Well, I mean, if you, whatever you're passionate about, you'll never, you know, and you do that passion, you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of things are innate. So when you look at social scientists, do they ever isolate the non-conscious of people? I mean, how much deeper yes. do you want to go in this thing? <laughs> yes, there's a whole area of social science on unconscious bias. It's a thriving area. And there is, you know, there's this test called the 
explicit bias test where you can determine whether people have these biases to see certain people more negatively than others. And those implicit bias tests do show that people are implicitly biased to view single people more negatively and married people more positively. But what's single people? You know, you don't have to look at the unconscious things. You can hear what people say deliberately, you know, like, you poor thing, let me fix you up as if you're broken. So... I guess what I'm saying, if you wanted to stay, take that one step f further, when you go to non-conscious, uh -huh. non-conscious is, you know, you take emotions away, right? This is when you're born. It's what you're made of. It's what is innately in you. Yeah. So if you identified characteristics within a non-conscious, when each yeah. person is is based on four pillars and has a direction, maybe there's some mathematical data there in that foundation. Like I said, you take away the emotion. People are born. They're born in an environment, and it's the non-conscious. Because I, I have this thing about there were four humans before uh, that were created instead of two. Because every, there needed to be four different directions. Each human being needed to go four different directions. So if you if you put a put that non-conscious in an environment with no emotion, you could predict where that non-conscious would go. So maybe there's an innately non-conscious piece or mathematical piece that, is a, that if you went deeper into this foundation, right, that would give you an answer as a, hey, if you're innately this and this is your makeup, your tendencies could be this. Because yes. that's, one, that's one third of a law of attraction that people don't realize. That's possible. Um, I, I think it goes to a question that I get asked sometimes, which is, is being single at heart, is that hardwired? And I don't know, there aren't any data to establish yeah. whether it is or not, but my sense is that it's more than just a lifestyle choice, that people who are single at heart are powerfully drawn to single life, just like many people are powerfully drawn to coupled life. So it's it's more than a lifestyle. Whether it's hardwired, I can't say. But well, the reason I say that is is you're the, if you're the number one example, <laughs> yeah, you're the pure you're the pure source. <laughs> like if you had one, if you're the number one example, yeah. you're the pure source here, and then there's a pure source of being married over here. Yeah. So whatever's in between, uh -huh. whatever's between that pure source and your pure source, yeah. I'm sure there's innate stuff in each of those individuals that could determine where you may lean in your life. And maybe that would alleviate some pressure on some of these younger people on making a decision or not letting oh, their parents say, hey, you have right. to be married. You have to have three right. kids. You, you understand? Yeah. You see where I'm going with this? Yeah, kinda? it's not in my nature. Yeah, yeah. So so there if we want to find, Doctor, I, I, it's been a great conversation. If, if we want to find the book, where do we get the the book at? Oh, you should be able to find it at Barnes and Noble, at your local bookstores, your library, if you want to check it out instead of buying it, and just about everywhere. And if, and if you go to a library or bookstore and they don't have it, ask them to get it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I love your energy and I love your, your, your vibrational self is very, very high and positive. And uh, that's a good thing. We need to see more of that from more people. Uh, appreciate yeah, you coming on the show. I talking to you. <laughs> yes, I'm a. I get a little deep sometimes, but I like yeah. to push the envelope. You know what I mean. I appreciate it. Uh, this has been uh, Dr. Bella uh, DiPaolo, and I am John Edmonds Cosma, the CEO of Bang Productions. Thank you. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 